the gospel according to John. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever, and this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who eats on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you remember that some years ago, sports writer Mitch Album wrote a book, a moving book called Tuesdays with Maury. It was later made into a movie starring Jack Lemmon. The whole thing revolved around the fact that Album would spend every Tuesday with his favorite college professor, Murray Swartz, as Swartz was dying from ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. One day, Album asked Maury what he would do if he only had one day to live. And Swartz replied, Our culture doesn't encourage us to think much about ultimate things until you're ready to die. We're so wrapped up in egotistical things, career, family, having enough money, meeting the mortgage, getting a new car, fixing the radiator when it's broken. We're involved in trillions of little acts just to keep going. So we don't get in the habit of standing back and looking at our lives and saying, is this all? Is this all I want? Is something missing? And then he paused and he turned to Album and he said, Mitch, you need someone to probe you in that direction. And so do we all. And that is exactly what we get in today's reading from the letter to the Ephesian. The writer is probing us, prodding us to look at life more carefully. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise people, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. 
Now, being careful in this sense is not about driving defensively or getting a vaccine or wearing a mask, although there's a lot to be said for those kinds of things. No, this is is really not about playing it safe, but about realizing that it really does matter how we live. And through this whole section of the letter to the Ephesians, the writer is urging us to consider what it means to be a child of God and then living accordingly. But we know very well, I believe, that doesn't always match up with what we want to do in life. And we often resist letting go of what we want. There was a little boy who came up to his dad with his hand behind his back, and he said he had a problem. His hand was stuck in a vase. It was a family heirloom. And of course, the dad did not want to break the vase, but no matter what he tried to do, the little boy's hand remained stuck until finally the dad thought of something and he told the little boy, hold your fingers out straight. And the little boy said, I can't. If I do that, I'll drop my penny. Clutching hold of the penny. Something that is not of great value can keep us trapped in an old way of living. Can keep us trapped in our sinfulness. It keeps us from being filled with the kind of life that God wants for us. So how do we live wisely? How do we live wisely in a foolish and wicked world and and, and have the kind of life that God intends us to have? Well, Ephesians talks about drinking too much wine. Now, drinking wine in and of itself is not a sin. But when we drink it, we begin to come under the influence of the wine's effects. And if we drink too much of it, we can easily lose control. And we act differently. And we drive differently. And that can lead to all kinds of problems, like a DUI. We're all in all kinds of problems and in in all kinds of trouble. But rather than simply just trying to avoid a DUI, Ephesians wants us to long for an L-U-I. Living under the influence of the Spirit. Letting God fill us so that we can live our true life. A life filled with praise and thanksgiving for all that God has done for us. A life lived in community of care and love and grace. Another way of thinking about this being filled 
is to partake of the bread of life. Throughout these past several weeks, we've heard Jesus telling us that he is the bread who brings a new kind of life into the world. Today, he tells us that when we share in this bread, when we share in this bread, we remain in him. Some translations talk about abiding in him. Now, we don't use that word abiding too much. I don't, anybody, anybody use abiding this week? I didn't think so. But abiding is, is, has the root of the same word as abode, which means home. And so Jesus is inviting us to make our home in him, to be comfortable in him, to have an intimate relationship with him, so to be so closely connected to him that we are like what a naturalist told some of our kids in summer camp one year. He brought all kinds of skeletons and body parts of all kinds of animals, and he, he talked about how in nature one feeds on the other and recycles the animal. In other words, a snake eats a rat and recycles the rat into snake and so on. Everything I eat gets recycled into Bill Milholland. Scary thought, but same is true for you, right? And so when we share in the meal of Christ, we recycle him into our lives. We become, as Martin Luther calls it, little Christs. We become little Christ to one another and to the world, and we begin to live wisely in this world. We, become to live, we begin to live with courage and with purpose. And we become someone who, who couldn't, that we couldn't be if we did it all on our own. And we also become those who begin probing and prodding others to live their real life as well. Bishop Tim Smith tells about how the summer after his college, his final year in college, he spent in Africa with Pastor uh, Martin Lang, who was a Canadian missionary stationed in Liberia. And Lang was responsible for a large swath of land that was dotted with dozens of little villages far away from any development. They called it the bush. And so Lang was, every, every couple of weeks, Lang would go out into the bush and take the sacrament to the Christians living in those villages. And on uh, several occasions, Bishop Tim was able to go with him. And on one long ride to a village, Pastor Lang was telling him that they, would not, they may not be particularly welcomed in this day's village and that got Bishop Tim's attention. He began to tell how the descendants of the medicine men believed that Christianity had taken away their, their power and their control over the villagers, and they would don these grotesque masks to scare the villages and intimidate them. They were called bush devils. They would come out every time people would gather for worship and get ready to celebrate communion. 
And he said on more than one occasion, Lang talked about how the bush devils would begin to beat their drums loudly in the middle of the service, and the people would gather up their children and run back and hide in their huts. Well, and those, some of those who defied the drums ended up disappearing. Well, Bishop Smith tried to take all of this as just a matter of fact, but in truth, he said he was scared to death. And sure enough, when they got into the village, they began to set everything up for communion, and the drums began to beat faster and louder. And true to form, the people snatched their children and left and went back to their huts to hide. Lang scowled and went out and began to, to ring a bell, an old church bell that was in the square of the village, calling the people to worship. And louder and faster the drums beat, and louder and faster the bell began to ring. It was not like it was a contest between the two when suddenly Lang stopped. And they looked and saw an old, stooped woman shuffling her bare feet through the dust of the village toward the church. And with defiance, she went to the door of the church as faces began to peep out of the, out of the windows of the huts. They were terrified at what might happen. They couldn't believe what she was doing. But then they began to see her with admiration. And right as she got to the door of the church, she turned and looked back into the jungle where those uh, drums had been beating. And almost with a sneer, she stepped into the church. And Lang began to ring the bell again. And slowly and timidly, people began to emerge from their huts and make their way toward the church. And defiantly, they stepped inside until the drums stopped. And not a single bush devil appeared. Their weapon of fear and intimidation had failed. Bishop Tim says that they celebrated the most wonderful communion he had ever had in his life because of that woman. At first, it wouldn't seem that she was being very careful or wise taking a risk like that. But she was filled with the Spirit that gave her the courage to make the most of her days. Not playing it safe. She was probing and prodding her village to see what was missing so long as they held tightly to their cheap fear of those devils. She was a little Christ to them and to Bishop Tim. Is there someone in your life who probed and prodded you 
to living toward your new life, your eternal life, the life that God wanted you to have? Someone who prodded you to be fed with the bread of life as a little Christ for you? If so, give thanks for their gift to you. Is there somebody in your life for whom you could be a little Christ by the way in which you live? If so, receive this blessing to help you. May you abide in Christ Jesus and be filled with the Spirit that you may make the most of your days and live in praise and thanksgiving to God for everything. In Jesus' name.